0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malvro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of the SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Pronounce Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis.
2: All right. We are sponsored by the Pelican House as always, and this week we have a special guest uh, from the NFL Network. Former Saint and Patriot Heath Evans has joined me and Andrew uh, to discuss some football. Heath, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, any time, man. Thanks for having me.
2: Heath, I want to start with this, and you know, Ray McDonald, he he got released by the Bears today for yet another. Um, domestic violence, incident, arrest. And I don't want to get into his history and, and all that. But what I wanted to, to discuss sort of is an interesting thing that, that really affected the Saints in 2014 was they, the media said they had a bad locker room. They had discord in locker room. It was, it was a struggle throughout the year. So if you could, what makes a guy a bad locker room presence and sort of an experience that you've had where you're like, oh, my God, this locker room is either great or this locker room is dysfunctional. And if you could, you don't have to mention names, but don't, you know, give us like a specific example where you're like, man, this locker room, it, it is not in the right yeah. spot.
1: I mean, it's easy. I mean, honestly, my first four years in Seattle, probably the most talented locker room I was ever a part of. I mean, even more so than my 09 Saints team that everybody fell in love with. And even the Patriot squads I was a part of for four years But the locker room was full of a lot of selfish individuals. And what makes a bad locker room guy is just someone that's selfish. It's also the same thing that makes a bad coach. I mean, there are a lot of coaches in this league that know their X's and O's as well as anybody and and call great plays and design great schemes, you know, Wednesday through Saturday to get their team prep. But it all comes back to them and what's best for them and what they think. um, Anytime you remove a team mindset from even the most talented of players, you've got a bad locker room guy. Uh, what I learned um, in New England and what I know Sean Payton believes is that no matter how talented the guy is, if he's selfish, um, he's going to make your team worse, not better. And so I know there's, listen, when you go through a rough season, there's always a lot of crap that flies around, especially in the media realm and I'm a part of it. So I get it. But you know what? There's a lot of things on this football team that you could probably track more to laziness at times than to a bad locker room. And I think Sean Payton knows that. And I think they've tried to address that this off season I think we'll see the benefits of that, you know, during the course of the 2015 season. When you when you say that,
2: you use a word like laziness, can you give us an example of something that yeah. fan, maybe maybe a fan wouldn't notice that it wouldn't be, you know, during a game you could say, well that guy didn't he didn't he didn't block or he didn't run a route. and yeah. A fan could point to that as lazy, but what's something that a player would do during the week that you'd be what? like, "Oh, that guy
1: yeah, I mean, the, week, the week's a lot easier than to call it out in the game. I mean, the game scenarios, I mean, you go straight to the Super Bowl and look at, you know, Jermaine Kurse. Uh He was the wide receiver uh, lined up that was supposed to move Brandon Browner off the ball in that last pass play where everyone says Marshawn Lynch should have gotten the ball. I mean, if Jermaine Curse wasn't lazy on that play and got to basically push Brandon Browner about six inches up the field, Malcolm Butler never could have picked the ball off. Seattle would have won their second championship in back-to-back years. Um, During the week, it's guys showing up late for meetings. It's guys uh, not busting in the weight room the the way they need to. It's guys not knowing their duties uh, come Thursday in practice when they've had uh, the base install and the Wednesday practice to get it under their belt. It's guys not wanting to play special teams because they feel like they're too good for it. I mean, when I got to New Orleans, I was in my ninth year and. One of the first people I went to see was Coach Mack, the special teams coach, and said, "Hey, listen, I know I'm older. Um, I'll probably still be one of your faster big guys wherever you need me. Uh, I know I'll be playing some significant stats on an offense, but you know, kind of spot train me where I can be your go-to guy in a tight spot." I was never a great special teams player, but it's the attitude effect, and so you can see selfishness, you know, in a locker room real quick, you know, from a vet- from a veteran mindset. I mean, it'll jump out fast. I mean, even in these OTAs that are getting ready to start up all over the league, um, the old school veteran guys, um, they'll know real quick of this young group of of talent, uh, who's in it for themselves and who's in it for the team.
3: Well, Heath, this is Andrew from Saints Nation. And, um, you know, specific to the Saints, I, I think Junior Gillette is a guy that's been singled out and, You know, obviously, I know you're well-versed, and I know you still have relationships on the team, and I know you have relationships with veterans that are no longer on the team. Um, But an incident, which I'm sure you're aware of, happened where uh, Gillette was basically asked about veterans, and he got tired of it, and he made some comments in the media. Uh, Basically, I think the intent behind it was was noble. He was trying to prop up guys like Curtis Lofton and Cam Jordan, his guys. Uh, but I think he made the misstep in those comments of, you know, uh, making negative comments about Will Smith and John Vilma and some of those veterans and guys like Zach Streef and Thomas said were very quick to go to the media and uh, disagree with Gillette's comments and you know, make comments that you stand together with the guys that you won with. And so I'm curious from a locker room perspective, I don't know if you hear anything, but Um, was there any discord in the locker room over that situation and as a veteran as a former Saint player uh, what was your take on that whole situation?
1: Well I honestly don't know the comments you know obviously the national side versus the local side you guys hear everything that comes out of that locker room it's my job to try to keep up with 32 teams so I I don't know the comments that that, uh, Junior made Uh, I know this Jonathan Velma was one of the finest leaders I've ever been around Uh, Will Smith uh, the same thing, and a great teammate. And uh, those are guys that uh, I would go to battle with any day of the week. Um, but I've also, you know, uh, Curtis Lofton's a guy that, listen, nowhere near as talented as John Dolan, Uh but the guy brought it every week, and he, and he gave the team everything that he had. Um, and so I don't know what Junior's intent was. It's hard to dive into someone's intent. But, um, listen, it's irreplaceable. Uh, leadership like John Vilma and, and Will Smith. And so whatever was said, if it was anything in a negative light, I would tell Junior to his face. It's crazy. I love Junior. I saw this guy come in here and bust his butt as an undrafted rookie free agent, take a lot of crap from the older veterans as, as he was earning his stripes, and he earned his stripes, and he's turned himself into a really good football player this week. Um, but leadership like John and Will is, is irreplaceable. And I mean, I just had a conversation with Sean, uh, Coach Payton, uh, less than a week ago, about that very thing, about how uh, too much leadership walked out the door uh, in a given off season, and, and, and it really ended up hurting the ball club.
2: You know, he, you brought up Sean Payton, and, and you played for Sean Payton. You paid for Bill Belichick, and the thing that I'm always interested with these, the, the coaches that are different, and I would say Sean Payton and Bill Belichick definitely qualify as that. Could you give us a, a? There's
1: no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>
2: you played under both of them and during a game where they did something or something happened where you like, oh, wow, Bill Belichick, regular, even good coaches don't do that. Or something Sean Payton did during a game where you were like, man, that he coaches, he's on a different level.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is by the time I got to Sean, I was kind of already spoiled. And then, so I remember sitting down with Sean and Mickey and, um, and even kind of, I call it the recruiting period, but in that, I guess, March of 2009 when I was um, in free agency. And and so I I asked a lot of questions because I knew what I was potentially leaving in New England and I knew what I wanted. And so the things I got out of Sean Payton, I kind of already expected. I remember just how in-depth our initial conversations were about offensive in-game adjustments and what he's seeing and what he's feeling and how he responds to the players' critiques of what's going on. And so, you know, with Bill, it was always amazing to me how he would have his pulse, would have the pulse of the team on offense, defense, and special teams on a given Sunday. He'd be making special teams adjust adjustments as well as an offensive adjustment off something he saw from a safety in a given play. And we'd change a you know maybe a four vertical offensive attack in one play to the next play with three verticals, and we'd cross the face of a safety because Bill spotted something that the safety was cheating on or something. Um, and then with Sean, you know, he wasn't so locked into the special teams and defense, um, but he was so almost overly coaching the offense. And um, again, I always go back to critiquing players on what they see and feel. Um, what Sean Payton could see and feel from the sideline uh, is like nothing I've, I've ever seen on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Josh McDaniels is spectacular. Um, obviously, Sean's had a few more years on Josh. Um, but, uh, the stuff that Sean can feel and sense, even from a, an opposing defensive coordinator that he's kind of playing chess against, so to speak, um, those are the things that make great coaches and, uh, Belichick and Sean Payton are two of the finest in the business and, in their prospective realms.
3: And Heath, when you talk about these coaches and some of the other coaches that you've played, that you've played for, I- is the difference really that significant? In other words, do you, and, and that's not yes. to disparage any of the guys that you you've played for, but when when you play for Sean Payton and you think back to that other NFL coach, that other coordinator that you had, is the advantage that significant?
1: Well, I mean, most people would say team. Mike Holmgren's one of the best head coaches ever and one of the best offensive minds. Um, and there's no, you just you can't even you can't even quantify the difference between Sean Payton and him. Now people would say, oh, that was your first four years in Seattle and you didn't fully understand what was going on. Okay, maybe. Uh, But I definitely understood what was going on by year 9 and 10. I understood what was going on in New England, and I understand all the things that were different from the way we did things in Seattle versus the way we did things in in New England and New Orleans. And so, um, yeah, the great coaches in this league are great. And it's honestly the bad coaches, there's some bad coaches (laughs) in this league. And there's a lot of bad position coaches in this league that have gotten jobs because they're friends with the head coach. And it's a shame because there's a lot of talented players um, with better coaching um, could be better players. And um, so, uh, yeah, the the elite coaches in this business are, are elite for a reason. Heath,
2: you know, obviously you played, you know it a thousand times more than we do, even if we're hardcore fans and writers and journalists or whatever. What's something that as a, just a crazy NFL fan that, you could you could say, Ralph, if you see this on Sunday, that means they're a poor coach team that as a player you would see but a fan it's gonna go over their head. What's something we can you could tell us that when we're watching a game on Sunday in the fall that's like, oh my God, Heath told me that that's a red flag for a bad coach
1: um well, red zone specifically the the great offensive minds um in this league really separate themselves by red zone football, how their teams perform, how many points they score, their touchdown percentage. Um, and so what I would say is you watch a team in the first quarter of the season, the first four games, and really pay attention to the offensive plays they're running, say, from the 15-yard line. You know? And then if you go to week seven or eight, and they're running the same exact play and from the 15-yard line, and then you go to... Week you know twelve or thirteen, and it's basically the same play, maybe with one small wrinkle. That's a bad coach. Um, you know, play design and manipulation of what a defense is giving you uh, and how you attack a given defense every single week. Stuff should change every single week. And people really harp on my negativity of, of the Chip Kelly offense. Um, a lot of stuff of what they do is great. Um, they lack creativity in the red zone and they're horrible at it. And so anybody can move the ball from the 20 to the 20. It's really not that difficult. There's so much space. The rules so benefit offensive football in this league from the 20 to the 20. I mean, listen, if, if you're not moving the ball play frequently, here's not very good because all the rules are stacked against the defense. Um, but inside the red zone, the field compresses. There's not a lot of space. Um, it's much harder game for the referees to call. Um, and it's all about play diagnosis um, and, and then your players obviously being coached to go out and perform them. And so I think the average fan could, you know, get on, you know, NFL replay and watch some of the coaches tape like I do, or, you know, rewind their TiVo you know, on a given Sunday when, you know, say the week two game, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks and the Saints are going to go out of this year and say, oh, okay, hey, look at that. I, I saw that same play two weeks ago. Well, um, things have to change because every defense changes every week and the schemes change every week. And so – the best thing about why the New England Patriots are constantly on top and how they can beat teams like Philadelphia but that they can go beat a team like Baltimore is because their, their game plans change every week. You know, Philadelphia beats the same type of teams. They don't ever really beat the good teams because it's all come down to uh, play design and then getting your players to implement uh, those design plays. And so um, the teams that are the best year in and year out, kind of like our 09 Saints, We could cram the ball down your throat running it, or we could beat you for 40 with Drew throwing for 400 yards. And then on defense, they could sack you. They could stop the run pretty well. They could turn the ball over. Um, You've got to be very well first. And I think that's where the great teams, players, and coaches separate themselves.
2: Well, Heath, I was going to ask, we were going to ask you why Philly fans hate you so much, but I think you just explained
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they don't like the truth. You know, I mean, I think the truth is, is like, there was an article. yeah, it's such a long story. I mean, when ship first got hired, I, I wrote an article uh, thinking he was getting ready to take the Cleveland Browns uh, job. And it was a very specific article to the Cleveland Browns. Well, he, he then took um, the Philadelphia job and um, we had some folks at the NFL that just kind of changed the Browns to the Philadelphia um, verbiage and printed the article. So the article didn't make sense in a lot of ways. And I said, it'd be the worst hire ever. Um, well, Um, Obviously, it was written for the Browns, and so they've never really let me live that down in Philly, and they don't want to, you know, I guess uh, take my excuse for how the article got out there. But over the last two years, I've really kind of dove into what works of his system and what doesn't. And I've been spot on for the most part. Um, This team is fatigued. Um, They can't score in the red zone and versus good teams. They get embarrassed. I mean, Seattle goes in there weeks 15 and holds them to 160 yards of offense. And so um, people don't like to hear the truth.
2: He Here's a. This might sound like a really basic, dumb question, but my forte is just writing funny articles about football. But I look at the Eagles and I say, how can a team win the Super Bowl when their defense is going to be in the in the top face one of the? They're going to face more plays than any other defense in the NFL. How can you win a Super Bowl doing that? Just having to play that many plays.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a knock. I mean, listen, Sean Payton and Bill Belichick taught me complimentary football. So your offense has to complement what your defense does well and vice versa. And then you got to include your special teams in there as well. And so um, in Philadelphia, Chip's idea is every single game, you know, we're just going full tilt, full tempo. Um, well, full, tilt, full tempo is great sometimes, and you see the Patriots do it. You see Green Bay do it. You see Denver do it. You see the Saints do it. Um, but it's not the answer every single week. And so that defense in Philadelphia was pretty good last year, and they would have been even better if they wouldn't have been on the field for, you know, 35 minutes a game. Um, and that's where that system is flawed. So you're, you're right, buddy. I mean, um, when your defense is kind of constantly getting put into bad positions, um, you're never going to hoist a Lombardi.
3: Hey, Heath, uh, real quick, I, I want to get your thoughts about the Saints offseason. Um, you know, obviously, Jimmy Graham, Kenny Stills, a lot of players were traded. They lost a lot of offensive firepower. They add C.J. Spiller. Um, so you made a comment, first of all, that where you mentioned that um, the team maybe didn't quite have the leaders, based on your discussion with Sean Payton, that they ha- they've had in the past and that that needed to be replaced. So I guess two-part question. First, do you think they've done enough to kind of uh, – Add some of that leadership. And then number two, uh, do you feel like the team has done a good job reloading, especially with the major moves uh, to to compete in 2015?
1: Well, the truth is we we just – we don't know yet, you know. I mean, we're not going to know until Sean starts pushing and pressing all these new players and see how they respond. I mean, Sean and I's conversation was more about a group load of, you know, defensive veterans, you know, all unintentionally kind of walking out in in one offseason, either – by being cut, or or having to move on for financial reasons, or just doing what Mickey and Sean thought was best for the team at the time, um, and so you lose a lot of guys, um, Malcolm and Jabari, and just a whole bunch of names that it's you know, just hard to replace. You can replace the talent, but leadership-wise, is you know, those players were built over time in this league. And so, um, listen, Sean was by no means making excuses because his defense just underperformed, but the truth is, we don't we don't know. Um, how this defense is going to respond. After the crap they put on film last year, uh, I would hope with the characters they have in that locker room and the leadership of Sean and Mickey and Drew and so on and so forth, um, they better respond well because I know Sean and Mickey well enough, they're not going to put up with it. And there's plenty of talent for this defense to be a very good talent. And Rob Ryan isn't the issue, I can tell you that.
3: Well, thanks, Heath. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I'm a proud supporter of, uh, of your foundation for a long time in New Orleans. And obviously, it's hard to keep that up when you're no longer in the city and, and um, you move on as an NFL player. It's tough to keep that up. But you're involved in something now uh, called uh, Generosity Trend, which uh, is, uh, is basically an app that, that uh, allows you to be more visible to, to some of your followers. So, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, just always trying to find a way. How do we get our fans to help us support our fair charities, but at the same time give them something in return? And so I created the company called Generosity Trends. It's an app for for really celebrities only or people of influence. Anyone that has a verified Twitter account can use it, and it's very simple. It's just to allow the followers and the fans of those celebrities to support for $1.99 a month. Um, that Celebrity's charity and people can go to GenerosityTrend.com or they can go to at HeathEvans44 my Twitter feed and see it and the fan just gets special recognition from the celebrity for donating a dollar ninety nine a month to their charity. So uh, Andrew, you know, uh, I believe I've sent you kind of a picture back of how anyone that's supporting the A21 campaign um, through my Twitter feed uh, when they tweet at me, their tweet comes through in a highlighted notation. So I see the people that are my most loyal, generous fans. I see the people that are uh, kind of hand-in-hand with me and supporting um, the A21 campaign and rescuing um, people from sexual slavery all over the world. So, um, again, at Heath Evans 44, um, generositytrend.com is uh, the website. And I've actually given away a couple tickets to uh, uh, the Saints' home opener as well as the Patriots' home opener to two of my Generosity Trend followers, Again, at Heath Evans Forty Four, all the information is
2: there. Thanks, Heath. And before I let you go, one last question. And I I heard this on a on a Dan Lebatard show. An NFL player said it, but I, so I want to ask you the same questions. What's the maddest you ever made a coach during a game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I've made some coaches really, really mad. Um, it would all it'd it always be back when you are getting a quarterback hit you know what I mean so anytime you you miss a protection um it would probably be in Seattle in my early years uh with, with Mike Holmgren I remember I got Matt Hasselback hit one time um I, I checked out on a uh, uh a pass route too soon the linebacker baited me and Matt Hasselback got hit pretty hard and uh we'll just say this Mike Holmgren was not very happy with me <laughs> thanks a, <laughs> thanks a bunch
3: Heath we appreciate you for joining us tonight
1: All Right, man thanks for having me appreciate
3: guys. it Heath thank thanks. you
1: Thanks
2: to Heath M for joining us. Now we're joined by two of the three knuckleheads, Dave Cariello and Kevin Hale. As always, we're sponsored by the Pelican House, uh, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Go there. Watch LSU and Tulane. They're both going to win their opening game, and then we're going to have LSU-Tulane fighting (laughs) to the death in the winner's record. It's going to be awesome. I'm one of the few. (laughs) I have
4: no idea how much I'm looking forward to that. Dude,
2: I'm one of the few (laughs) LSU people, Dave, uh, the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Louisiana, they support us, so you should support them. Dave, I'm one of the few people, I root for Tulane baseball to be good because it's more fun when Tulane baseball is good and LSU baseball is good and Tulane and LSU can yell at each other and insult each other and be competitive. It's much more fun that way. Life is better. Agreed. You know, And I just think Tulane, they finally, you know, Rick Rick Jones, he kind of hung on a little too long. But uh, they got this new guy, and uh, it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna, the regional is gonna be, gonna be good times. But uh, all right, um, listen, th- they don't have much Saints news, so we're gonna do a lot of. Uh ridiculous today but before we start i want to thank this is the first show with the brand new computer that everybody graciously donated i had some technical issues with skype and i finally got it straightened out along with that and the wife being pregnant it was just a lot of stuff but we got the new computer thanks again everybody the new computer it's great thanks for donating um i I don't know where to start joe horn Dave basically just destroyed Goodell today, which I thought was fantastic. He said that, you know, players hug him, and they don't realize that he'll destroy the player, steal money from them screw him over. And I couldn't disagree with anything he said. I was like, that's absolutely <laughs> true.
4: What he said was when the players hug them, they don't realize they're hugging the devil.
2: <laughs> well, yeah.
4: <laughs> he called Goodell the devil, which, I mean, makes sense considering the ginger, the ginger head. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I mean, I think most people probably would agree with the things Joe Horn said. I mean, he basically said he's got total control. He has way too much power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the owners put him in that position, and they're not going to say anything. The players can't do anything about it. Um, and I think that's the way a lot of people feel. I'm, sh- I know a lot. I know pretty much, fan feels that way. And I'm sure now at this point, uh, every Patriots fan feels that way as well. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, it's easy for. Joe to say those things. He's not in the league anymore. He doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, you know what he says about Goodell. <laughs> yeah, he barely played under Goodell, um, honestly. And uh, but then he also, uh, you know, some people on CSC commented and, and mentioned that he also listed Roddy White and Marcus Colston as the two best receivers in the NFL. And uh, I, you know, I don't I don't know whether I would agree with that. I love Samarcus Colston, but I don't know if he's. I wouldn't say he's the best. One of the two best receivers in the league.
2: Um, Kevin, uh, Joe Horn ripping Goodell. Does that make you like Joe Horn like five percent more? You pretty. You were pretty hard on Joe Horn when he left out of here. Yeah,
0: I, I look. I'm glad somebody actually remembers something I fucking wrote for WWLTv.com. I love it. Mm. Um, yeah, I was pretty hard on him, and. You know, then he finally retired, and slowly but surely I've managed to, you know, get over it. So this certainly – this certainly puts him in a much better light than previously, and –
4: Would you buy one of his barbecue sauces now?
0: Yeah, I would say I would buy one. I would be comfortable putting his sauce on my food. Okay. There's an endorsement, Joe. Put that on on your next label.
2: Ringing endorsements. Um – you know,
4: I bet we could get him as a as a guest on this podcast. We
2: probably could.
4: Just let him answer a couple of questions about barbecue sauce, and then and then we'll we'll just we'll grill him pun intended on uh, on Goodell. Let's I, just we'll just have a whole hate Goodell show. That'd be a children. good
2: a good lead in, like right before training camp starts, where we could just <laughs> we could just hate on Goodell. It could be like cleansing your pores. Um. We could get Reed. <laughs> we we could get Reed. He he
4: he and we hates. And the blogger for the Patriots.
2: He hates. I mean, the only thing with the Goodell hatred that I sort of nitpick with people. I, we hate Goodell, but the owners don't hate him, man. He makes them a brinks truck of money. He crushed yeah. the, he crushed the players' union. He takes all the heat off the owners because. The media never gets on the owners and say, like, why aren't you doing stuff for domestic violence? Why aren't you doing this? They get on Goodell. Like he is a – like the owners love him. That's my – that's the only thing I argue with Goodell haters like Reed and other people on Twitter, Kevin, that – you know, the owners, they love Goodell.
0: Right, because he takes all the heat for them.
2: Yeah. Um, I, we don't have – we're going to get to Twitter questions in a second. Um, I saw Mad Max, the movie –
0: Oh, it was phenomenal.
2: It was phenomenal? (laughs) Phenomenal. But here's the thing, Kevin. I felt like it had such little dialogue. They should have just got Metallica to do the soundtrack or pick Metallica's greatest hits and have no dialogue. It would have been an A+. Instead, it was just an A. Oh. (laughs) Like, Kevin, could you – if you had gone in that movie and it would have been no dialogue and just Metallica ride the lightning from start to finish, you would have understood the plot. Yeah, no, I would have
0: liked it. I would have liked it very much. Would I would have, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I still enjoyed the shit out of that movie.
2: I enjoyed Guitar Guy that was
1: oh, playing yeah. the
2: guitar and the flames are coming out like he's like uh I don't know what you'd be like the drummer like in the Civil War the drummer guy that leads the troops in, but Mad Max they have like a guitar guy playing it was it was and, and if you see it you got to see it in the 3D IMAX.
0: Oh no no no! I didn't I I didn't see it in 3D. I saw it in just regular, like 2D, 2D the flat screen. And you know what? I still love the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh,
4: that's that's what the Charlize there on right. That's got the yeah, Charlize there
2: And she's got only one arm.
4: Oh really? Yeah.
0: She's so, fucking great in that movie.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, but the funny thing is, they just have like no. It has like no dialogue, but. Um,
0: yeah, they, right, I mean, we, se- I mean, seriously, who says? Oh, let's go to the Mad Max movie. I hear there's a great soliloquy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, you're going what... you want to see, you want to see cars slamming into shit, cars flipping over, things blowing up, a couple of scantily clad ladies, and some people getting right. shot and dying in horrific ways, and you get
2: all, all of, of that from the start to the finish. Yes. – yes. Like it does. Like Mad Max, they don't screw around. I, I,
4: when I, you say no dialogue, are you, you're you talking about like like Gravity, no dialogue?
2: I mean, it's close to it's close to that. It's would you say, Kevin? It's close to yeah. Gravity. It's close to yeah.
0: Like- yeah. I mean, like there's there's bare, like there are stretches where there is uh, no dialogue, and then there's stretches where there's like one set like two people have a six set, a six line conversation. And then it ends.
2: The f- not to be, not to give away spoilers, but the first third of the movie, Mad Max, is strapped to the front of a car with a fucking thing over his mouth.
0: Yeah, so he, he ain't like he he barely says anything. Fuck, even when it gets taken off, he barely says anything. If you people are going to hear fucking Tom Hardy talk, you'll be disappointed. But fuck, if you're going into a movie expecting to hear people talk, I don't know what to tell you.
2: All right. Quick Saints thing, the only Saints thing I can stretch. They, they announced two Hall of Fame people this week. Michael Lewis, Tyrone Hughes. Um, I felt like Tyrone Hughes is a bit of a
4: stretch. I thought Michael Lewis was a bit of a stretch.
2: Kevin, can you weigh in? I mean, I felt like... Uh, I See,
0: so here's the thing. I don't know... Sadly, I don't know enough about Tyrone Hughes like like Michael Lewis I remember. Yeah. Tyrone I Hughes I remember Michael like everybody like people remember Michael Lewis. Yeah.
4: I mean, Tyrone, yeah, but, but but they but they remember him cuz he had like, like one really good season and like another good se- like he he only had like how many good seasons with the Saints? 2, 3?
2: That's the same with Tyrone Hughes. Tyrone well, Hughes yeah, but, had a, yeah, but, one monster
0: year. Yeah, but, but 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 let me ask you this. How many, good like se- How many good seasons did Aaron Brooks have? And isn't he in the Saints Hall of Fame?
4: Well, but there's His a difference. because ass? Aaron Aaron Brooks was, was, a, was the quarterback of the team, and Aaron Brooks was the leader, and Aaron Brooks is, you know, crucially involved in every single offensive play. I mean, Michael Lewis, I mean, you know, he, he ran back a whole bunch of kickoffs and punts, you know, for one and a half, two years or whatever, but. I mean, and, and and Michael Lewis is still with the team. He's still an ambassador for the Saints, and I see him. He's always but, on the sidelines in a suit, you know, working, doing whatever he's doing. So I mean, if they weren't, if they said we're, we're letting Michael Lewis in because of his play, but also because his continued work with the Saints, then I'd be like, okay, I get that. But there it wasn't. It's all about him as a player.
2: Well, I mean, and the thing with Aaron Brooks, Kevin, is if you remove Drew Brees, I can make a case that Aaron Brooks is the, the best the the best quarterback in Saints history. Non, I know. I know. And, and, division. And, isn't, and isn't isn't that fucking terrifying? Well, it is terrifying. But I mean, it's it's not the National Football League Hall of Fame. It's the Saints Hall of Fame. I mean, the right, the the, the, right.
4: the bar well, you don't isn't that have high. To put people in every year. You know, if you run out of. Worthy people, just stop putting people in. Because then you make a mockery of the whole thing.
2: I think it's, I think the, I I would argue you're right. I think these, both of these guys are kind of a stretch. Because none of, neither of them were really dominant, and neither of them were, I mean, you're, Tyrone Hughes, you're talking basically a year and a half, and 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 same with Michael Lewis. I mean, it's a, it's a stretch, but you see some of the people that got in there, man. When, when did when was
0: Tyrone Hughes's uh, heyday? I'm I'm foggy on Tyrone Hughes.
2: He's like I gotta I gotta pull him up. He's like
0: I'm foggy as shit on him.
2: Um, he is post Dome Patrol. Um,
4: so early '90s, probably. Yeah. Or, or mid '90s. No,
2: mid '90s.
0: This was before the murderer's row of Courtney Watson and C. Grant at linebacker. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He's, um, let's see, kick and punt return. See, dude, oh, my, oh, my God, he is not a Saints Hall of Famer. <laughs> he has two, he ran back two punts for touchdowns in 1993. <laughs> That's it. That's it, oh, man. man. Well, I mean, you, you know, there's
0: a conversion chart and somewhere. Again, again, eight and eight and a kickoff.
2: And he ran a kickoff back ninety nine yards, and he ran back two kickoff returns in, in ninety four. But that's it, man. Oh my god.
4: What's Lewis? What's Lewis's stats? All right, we'll pull up. I know he had I know we had better stats than that, but probably not much better. Dude, lo- dude, Michael Lewis was like,
0: Michael Lewis was the big was the big home run return guy before that became uh, the uh, the. Uh, Nome de jour or whatever the how the how the fuck right. you say that phrase. Because right, right after him right after him it was Dante Hall. He's always the human joystick. And then and then suddenly was didn't it go from like Dante Hall to somebody else and then the Chicago Bears guy?
2: Yeah. Hester. Well I mean, no, uh-huh. but I mean like Hester has been doing it for freaking
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, 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 oh no. no. Like like Michael Lewis Michael Lewis was like, okay. At this level, and then Dante Hall was like, Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Devin Hester took it to like a different level. What's Michael Lewis's stats?
2: Michael Lewis, he had in 2002, he made the Pro Bowl, and he returned a punt for a touchdown, two kickoffs, and he had 1,800 total return yards. He averaged 14 yards per punt return and 25 yards of kickoff return. That's pretty strong. Shit, put him on the Saints <laughs> <That's good>. now! <laughs> Dude! Yeah,
4: no, that's, that was Dude, a good year.
2: we'd give... I'd give my kingdom for a, half of that punt return a seven-yard average of a punt return. Jesus! He was 31 when he did that, too.
4: Well, yeah, because he was... Beer man. Selling, yeah, delivering beer. and uh, Yeah. Um, what, um... I forgot what
2: I, I mean that's saying. I mean, I would say I would say Michael Lewis has a stronger case than Tyrone Hughes, but you're really only talking one good year out of those guys. Right. I mean, it's the worst Saints Hall of Fame class ever. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to argue that one night at like twelve o'clock when my wife's at a wedding and I'm bored out of my mind. Um is is there any other Saints anything else you want to people talk about? Kevin, how's the dating life? You got a second date with the lovely uh misses?
0: Uh, the, uh, that, the, uh, I've, I've had other, another date with that lady and, uh, you know, the, 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 ice cream, uh, date went very well. Uh, she was very happy that you guys, uh, let me, uh, get out of that. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So th- th- things, uh, things have progressed well.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, now we're just going straight to Twitter and I'm sorry, Andrew's not here to do it. So it'll be butchered as usual because it's me. Uh Kevin, this is from the Gear Fondler, yes. one of our favorites. How much money would it take you to become a genuine Falcons fan for life? Be honest.
4: Mm-hmm. Crickets.
2: Crickets.
0: Five billion dollars. Five billion. I mean You said for life, motherfucker. I mean, Five. I, I tell you what. I'll cut it down to. It, I'll cut it down to one billion, billion with a B.
2: I'd rather one billion just, with a B. I'd rather just. I'd rather you just pay me money and tell me that I can't watch the NFL anymore, than be a Falcons fan.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's true. But here's the thing. Yeah. If you're telling me. If you're telling me. Now, if you're telling me that that I have to only root for the Falcons and that I can't watch any other games Ugh. but Falcons games. I mean, because I mean, I'm assuming that's the deal. Like, I can't root for the Saints at all. I can only watch Falcons games, and I have to root for them at all times. Then it's a billion fucking dollars. It's a I
2: need more. I need, Kevin, I, I need like three billion because th- then I can buy. Well, I said five, I five to buy... start, and Dave's like five billion. I need three well, billion because get... then I can buy the team.
0: All right. Oh, you're going to need more than that, aren't you? You
4: guys aren't really taking this very, very seriously at all. We're not. The, shit, because not... the number should be much. The, the number should be much lower. How much lower? How much would it be? Es- Espe- especially considering the conversation we just had prior to going on air tonight. <laughs> so, yeah. About uh, I think. I think my number would be like five million.
2: Oh, I need more than that.
4: Yeah, I, I mean. No, I don't. I don't think you understand. If all you have to do is become a Falcons fan and root for the Falcons, five dollars will set you up good. it. Are we talking about? And is this money getting taxed? Is it just straight up cash? It's straight up cash. It's just straight up, straight up cash. cash? Oh, forget. You could five million dollars is, is enough for you to invest and continue to live off of uh, all of that and pay pay off you know your property, just live modestly. I mean. The, the, that doesn't mean you got to go and, like, you know, you can't take $5 million and then go buying cars yeah. and, you know, in, or be a, n- a typical NFL player. Um, you've got to, you know, you've got to save it, but you can definitely make it work, and uh, and you'll be set for life, and your kids would be set for life, too. Here's and an all l- you would have to do is make the sacrifice of rooting for the Falcons.
2: Here's an easier question, but it's a good segue.
0: Okay, uh, fine. For- a, hundred, a hundred million.
2: Yeah, here's a here's – Here's a good another question from the Gear Fondler. Would Would you married guys have still married your wife if her father was Roger Goodell? The answer, of course, is hell yes. Do you realize the job that the Ginger Hammer could hook his son-in-law up with? You're getting <laughs> a, right. You're getting a high six figures, low seven figure job to do Jack Diddley squat because he's not going to let his son-in-law be a failure. You're being like you're gonna be like the NFL's executive director of social media account where you run the, the accounts that nobody pays attention to, and you're making eight hundred grand easy.
4: Yeah. You. Yep.
2: Um, you get free well, trips would, to London I, I, too.
4: I I would say yes too, but not for financial reasons. I would say yes because then you're obviously gonna be f- close with him, and you know you can whisper things in his ear and uh you know potentially have an effect on how he thinks and what decisions he might make so uh you know that yeah. that's why i would do it yeah yeah psst,
0: psst, roger Dad. roger 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 jerry jones just called you a twat <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that'd be a great thanksgiving withheld and roger so kevin how's the wrestling going could you pass the giblets all right, Kevin, pick or Dave, pick a living NFL coach, past or present, to replace Peyton. Only one Belichick response allowed. Response allowed.
4: Oh uh, well, I'm taking Belichick.
2: I'm taking Bill Walsh.
4: <laughs> I'm using that right up. I know. I he, take... he would. He would have been up there too. Wait, he would have been
2: living too. or oh, you, you can, can go dead. You can go dead. I'm going Bill. I'm going oh. Bill Walsh because Bill Walsh with these rules would kick ass with Drew Brees. Actually,
4: actually, I changed my pick. I would go with uh, Ditka. Oh my god! Definitely (laughs) did. I'm kidding.
2: Kevin, who would you go with? Uh,
0: let's see. Huh? Eh, I'm not gonna go that because that's too easy. Uh, I will say.
4: I mean, you got to think about like Lombardi. I think.
0: Oh, you see, I was thinking about that, but
2: I don't know.
4: Uh... Meekum,
2: John Meekum tried to hire Lombardi before he went and coached the Redskins for a year. and nobody talks about that. Um You know what, Don Shula. Shula. Don, was yeah. a good choice. The rumor is it's not that Meekum John Meekum offered Lombardi like 10% of the team and he turned him down cuz it was such cuz John Meekum was such you're a
4: pronouncing Meek, You're is pre- it, pronouncing Meekum wrong. you pronouncing Meekum I'm kidding. No, no you Yeah, you're right. No, I'm kidding.
2: All right. Um <laughs> With all the people pissed – Kevin, with all the people pissed at the Bears over Ray McDonald, what are the chances – one of the chances Ryan Pace returns like Dennis Allen did? What position? <laughs> I, don't <give> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a
0: fuck. You know what? Everybody's pissed at the fucking Bears. What, why Why are they pissed at the Bears? I don't
2: know because Why they, are
0: they pissed at the Bears? Because they, they fucking cut him. Yeah. Didn't they, they cut him? They cut him. That's what it's good. I yeah. mean, yeah. Okay, look. If you want to cast – listen. If you want to castigate the Bears for giving the guy
2: shot number five
0: forgive, yeah or, or, or whatever the fuck it was, if you want to get if you want to cast him for that. OK, fine. But they did what nobody else fucking did. They fucking tossed his ass to the curb. Eh, but I haven't been convicted at a court law. Fuck you. Fuck you. If I open my fucking – if I open my door and there's somebody out standing at at my fucking door and they punch me in the face when I try to walk out in the morning, I shut the door. If the same thing – and that's Monday. If the same thing happens Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and I get punched in the face when I try to walk outside the door and then on Friday, I go to open the fucking door, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Point point being, Ray McDonald is a fuckhead, and he shouldn't be uh, making money. No, he he shouldn't be making money. He needs to be put him on a fucking boat with uh with that fucking creepo with the reality show that diddle the sisters, and sail them off into the middle of a fucking lake, and then get get some old timey uh, Viking uh, cosplayer buggers. to go shoot a fucking flaming arrow at the boat in the
2: middle of the lake. <laughs>
4: Right. Were you referring to, like, the Duggars? The there? Duggars.
2: Yeah, that's what Nineteen long, and counting. All right, Dave, this is from uh, Champ Ian 33 show. What exactly could Andy Tanner have seen Joe Vitt and or Sean Payton do <laughs> to earn a fifth year of meaningless paychecks? That's a great question.
4: Oh, <laughs> man. Um, I was literally thinking that same exact thing last night. When he gets paid, like, three hundred grand to back. go work out, basically. So, and I, you know, and there was that quick article in the advocate that I found, you know, so he's been with the team for five years. He played in zero games. He has been involved in, I think it was 55 five transactions, transactions. He, in, in five years. That's an average of 11 times that he he's been released, been cut, been signed by the been moved to the practice squad, been uh, put on IR 55 different transactions. Um, that is wild. And, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, he's like, he's got to be how old now, 30? He's got to be like 20, at least 28. And uh, I don't understand. They obviously, he's never had exactly what it takes to make the roster and and, and be a contributor on this team. So I don't understand why he still stays around he must be like great in practice
2: he must be i don't know
4: he must uh, be like a really good scout team guy that I, they I that, he, that, that does a great job of uh mimicking what their upcoming opponent opponent is going to do i i it just thought, blows my mind All right five years never played in a game <laughs> it's like what what do you hold on to man yeah. what are we holding on to a
2: dream uh, and if you would have people if you would if you would have had fifty retweets, I would have wrote an Andy Tanner palm, but you only got to forty two retweets, so you get no Andy Tanner Palm. Uh, uh Mondula. Uh Kevin, you get to choose a car to jump over school buses. Which car and how many buses do you jump? I get to choose a car?
4: Yeah. A car to, to, to jump over Any buses. Car. To drive to up a ramp. R-
0: yeah. And then, you know, buses and that over are on buses. fire. That... Oh, oh, we're throwing that they're on fire. Uh, oh,
1: Fuck. Uh,
0: sure. I mean, I, I I wish I could say I had a fucking car, mind, but presumably I would want a car that gets uh gremlin. Well, it's it's going to have to be yeah a red one. Um. It's got. It would have to have real good uh, suspension because presumably I'm going to fucking hit the other side and bounce like a son of
2: a bitch. Any kind so Mad Max movies. What was that? It the? would have
0: to. No, 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 no. It can't be that. Uh, give me, give me like one of those rally cars because those things can fucking flip over like eight, nine, ten oh, times and. Your, yeah. So give me like a rally car that can that can just go get up to about a 100, 150 miles an hour, like really fucking fast. Uh, really quick in a short distance, and I should be okay. And then as for the buses, fuck, I'm a pussy. Give me the one bus. <laughs> uh,
2: Dave, you can choose any superpower. What do you choose?
1: Oh! You
2: can all. You can. We'll get. We'll let you go. Kept held. You can also choose each other's kryptonite. So Dave, you could pick a superpower, and then Kevin can pick your kryptonite.
4: I mean, mine's probably going to be. Boring, but I think being invisible would be pretty, pretty useful. It, it's a very, um, it's it's not an exciting superpower, and it's not a powerful or forceful physical superpower. if you used it, used it wisely, you know, uh, it would it would definitely be valuable.
2: Kevin, what would be Dave's kryptonite? Rayon. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. My
0: I'm glad that I'm glad Dave laughed at that because that's really all that mattered. I don't know my. Su- I don't know, Kevin. What would your superpower be? Flight. Flight. Uh fly! I mean, uh, that's uh, that's that's a fucking no-brainer. That's just. I mean, Jesus Christ, man! Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. <laughs> fucking think about it. You just all of a sudden think. I would like to be five feet off the cement, and then, boom, you're five feet off the cement by sheer force of will. And you don't fall down. No, you stay there. You stay five feet off the fucking ground because you will it to be so. And then, like, okay, well, I'm going to move down the end of the block, and I'm going to go at, I don't know, 50 miles an hour to the end of the block. Boom! Boom! I don't know End of block. I don't know what... Super fast. And then, and then finally, you get so fucking bold enough to do so, then you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go a few thousand feet in the air, and I'm just going to fucking zip around like a son of a bitch, and it's fucking great. I mean, I mean, tell me what, tell me what lady, tell me what, what, what lady would not fucking swoon over the ability to be like, hey, uh, so... Come here, and then all of a sudden you just like start making out with her, and she doesn't know, but you've started to like levitate like seven or eight inches off the ground, and you're like, hey, I felt something really weird happen. Did you? <laughs> and then she freaks out.
2: I want mind control uh, or, or time travel. Is time travel a superpower? Oh, come on. Because then you go back and
0: like – yeah. Yeah, but then you get. But I wouldn't. You'd have to be. Uh, Times. You'd have to be. Oh, fuck. Who has mind like, control that power? You'd have, to, you'd have to be the Flash. To mind
2: do time control would be good enough.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, wait. What's your kryptonite, though? For, uh, Dave, <laughs> what's his kryptonite? My kryptonite. You
2: just be, hand me a list of names to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, ah, oh, damn, I can't use mind control today because I gotta pronounce. <laughs> Tim Biakabatuka and I butchered it. <laughs> no, you did no, a good What's my Oh, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know, man. Uh, low interest credit card. I don't know. That's that's a joke <laughs> that only me and Dave get, but we find it hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know, Kevin. What, I think the,
0: I think the easy one is pornography.
2: Oh yeah. Oh,
4: oh yeah. I was going to say Tinder.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I can't like, like the, the, the real, like the real thing would be to say, okay, if you get an erection, you can't fly for like six hours or like 12 hours <laughs> or something, you know?
2: See, oh, oh, Kevin. Ooh, here's a good question, Kevin. Who do you, this is from Robert Fauche. Who do you think will have a better year, Corey White in Dallas or Michael Sam in the CFL?
0: <sighs> Michael Sam.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I think Michael Sam's going to tear shit up in the CFL. And, yeah, and like shame the NFL to give him another chance.
0: Oh, no, I, I you know what? I I really can't see. I can't see anybody in the league giving him another chance. I really can't. Like there, there was so much. There was so much bullshit heaped on from the get-go about, you know, oh, anonymous GMs talked to Peter King and they said, oh, a this and blah, 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 that.
2: You're right. He'll probably have to, like, sack a city in Canada to get another Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, you know, he would almost have to be named defensive player of the CFL. Oh, wait, he was the
2: defensive player of the SEC. He'll have to have two, he'll have to have, like, two 15 sack seasons in the CFL to get another chance.
0: They'd have to win the fucking Grey Cup or whatever no, the I hell it is. Actually, he, it is the, the Grey Cup.
2: Yeah, it is. All right. Um, uh, who, let's see. Who's the next, Dave, who's the next Saints player to spend the last year of their career with another NFC South team?
1: A la Joe Horn. <sighs> yeah, Roman. No, no,
4: I hear you. Bobby A. Bear. Yeah. Roman, oh, um,. Hmm, let me think. I'm thinking about who some of the older guys are. Jari Evans. Jari
2: Evans.
4: I feel like they're going to hold on to him for for good. Who the hell knows? It could be Drew Brees, for all we know. Oh, my God. Uh,
2: Let's see. I think that's... Oh, one last question. Uh, I forgot who asked it. I don't see it, but I know it. Kevin, if you could undraft a, one Saints player in history, who would it be?
0: Jonathan Sullivan. Actually, no, Ricky Williams.
4: Yeah. 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 I mean, come on. Yeah. You get you get your entire draft back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the thing gap? is, though, that, like, changes all of Saints history because if they don't. Right. It might. Ditka might have stayed on for another year, you know.
4: Yeah, I'd but say they might have had out of all those six. Players they drafted they might have had one or two good guys that they could have built a franchise around
2: well um I think I think the, the, Kevin your initial pick of Sullivan is right because man they did they move they did that trade with Sullivan I mean they just kept those two number ones that had, they couldn't have been any worse off yeah even if you even if you said you you get to keep the two number ones you don't get to pick you just reach your hand in a hat and pick out a name they'd have been they couldn't have been any worse off than keeping Sullivan. Dave, who do you got?
4: No, I, you, I would say Ricky Williams. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. No um, brainer. Um, final, <clears throat> final question. Uh, over under on Drew Brees twenty fifteen passing yards forty eight hundred.
4: Kevin, over or under? Ooh, that's oh. a good line. What What did he have last year?
2: He was like, I think, less than 100 away from 5,000. Hang on a second. Hang on. He was that high.
4: I would would take the under.
0: Drew Brees'
2: stats.
4: Given given how much it looks like they're going to be running the ball more than ever, uh, I would take the under on that.
0: Yes, but remember, they ran the ball more. uh,
2: Last year, too. I mean, shit. Didn't they run the ball a lot? Oh no, I don't know. They averaged their second, the second best yards per carry they ever had last year, besides 2009. Ah, uh, it's a great number though. 4800, man. It's a
4: great yeah, number. that's a, that's a good place to put it.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, shit. Yeah, I guess I'll say under. I'll say under. But you know what? It's not like it's uh. Yeah, you know. We always make the joke about always oh, in steep decline.
2: <laughs> yeah. So.
0: 4, I'm gonna,
2: whatever. I'm going to say under, two. I think if you want it to be under, because the Saints, they don't run to get the lead. They run to close out games. So if he's at, like, 45, 4,600 and he's not hurt, I think that's a really good sign that the Saints are winning games late by running the ball. So uh, Andrew didn't join us tonight, uh, but that's okay. Uh, go to Canal Street Chronicles. Dave, do you have anything new and exciting coming along?
4: Oh, uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> Maybe when the media gets back uh <laughs> is allowed at OTA's oh. day, uh you know, we'll, we'll have some of that stuff. But Kevin, are you officially
2: off of OK Cupid or are you still No 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 no.
0: I'm on I'm on OK Cupid uh but not really checking it.
2: Oh. I don't even know what that means I have... I've been married for so long. <laughs> I don't even know.
0: It means I'm not. It means I'm not checking. Okay, Cupid uh. Like, I'm
1: just.
4: So where are you meeting these chicks that you've been dating?
0: Well, I mean, I've only been dating. He's like... got a
4: stable of women, is what he's
0: saying. Yeah, yeah, I have a harem. A uh, harem of women. I'm only like really dating one at the moment.
4: But wait, are we gonna are we talk, are we gonna talk about what you texted us this morning about at work or or that that's not podcast stuff.
2: No, no, we can't. No, 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 no. no, no, no that's not. That's we can't. We can't. <laughs> yeah, we we can't We can't go too uh, personal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because because that, that that could that yeah no. I will say I will say for people as we wrap up this podcast, go to Canal Street Chronicles, uh, go to Saints Nation. Uh Kevin, he Hello? might he might even have a power pole one of these days. You never know. So you want to go to Canal Street Chronicle every day, and just hope that that nugget falls out <laughs> the sky. Uh, Kevin dropped out, which is just about perfect. So for Dave, for Kevin, uh, (laughs) I'm Ralph. Uh, Until next week, uh, be well.